I'm here today with Elizabeth Jarrett Andrew. Elizabeth has spoken at our Writing for Your Life conferences, and you may have seen many excerpts that we've posted from her books about writing. She's the author of Writing the Sacred Journey, The Art and Practice of Spiritual Memoir, and Living Revision, A Writer's Craft as Spiritual Practice, as well as several other books. Elizabeth is a spiritual teacher and writing coach dedicated to facilitating creative emergence through one-on-one -on -one coaching, workshops, and retreats. Our reason for getting together today is actually to discuss and celebrate what is, in essence, a re-release of one of her books, Swinging on the Garden Gate, a memoir of bisexuality and spirit. You can learn more about Elizabeth and all that she does at ElizabethJarrettAndrew.com. So, Elizabeth, welcome. It's so great to be here with you again. It's really good to be with you, too, Brian. <laughs> so, maybe to get started, what else would you like people to know about you than what I briefly touched on? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um... Well, I'm, uh, I've been taking a little bit of a hiatus from teaching, but I'll be back full force in um, 2023. So I teach a lot of spiritual memoir writing and uh, revision as a spiritual practice. And all that, of course, is now both online and in person in Minneapolis. So um, I'm really eager to um, re-engage with, <laughs> with other writers after a, a restorative break. Good, good. Well, I mean, uh, we've all been through types of breaks here, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for good or for worse. But, um, um, but before we get into the, the, the re-release, let's talk about, you know, the other books that you've written and particularly the ones that I mentioned that are so important for writers. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I have most of my teaching career in writing has been in the literary world. I taught at the Loft Literary Center for 20 plus years. And so I really, and I did an MFA and, you know, so I was really quite steeped in the writer's workshop and, um, and only within the last decade or so have I realized that um, my real love of writing is in how writing is transformative and um and changes the writer and um and actually i've come to really live into some of robert frost's famous words where he said no no tears for the writer no tears for the reader no surprise for the writer no surprise for the reader and I think what he's saying there is that, like, as writers, we need to be um, open-hearted and open to being transformed, mm -hmm. and that that actually is like the secret ingredient that goes into our pro into our language, uh, into um, into the page that then makes transformation available for a reader. So, so I've really become passionate about. Um, writing as a transformational practice. Well, and, living revision was basically yes. about that, right? Yes, you know, exactly. So that that was a really good, I think, learning tool and reference for a lot of writers. I hope so. Yeah, I, and and I think, I mean, the, the the lovely thing about reclaiming the sacred dimension of the writing practice is that it actually makes your writing better, right? <laughs> you know? What so, a concept. <laughs> instead of thinking like audience, 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 you know, what does the audience want? How do I please the audience? Instead of like having that kind of product and destination um, focus in, in our writing to have a more open-hearted, exploratory, um, honest 
relationship with writing and um and then it makes your writing really shine well, so, say, at the end of the day that's better for the audience anyway right absolutely I mean, so, absolutely. I mean, so so it's kind of a win-win thing but um, yeah. but it takes it takes some gumption i think to nurture that dimension mm -hmm. that interior dimension um it's really countercultural because that's not the way we're trained as artists to work sure. so, yeah well you know a lot of the folks that I deal with struggle with imposter syndrome in one yeah. form or another. You know what I mean? So that rears its ugly head a lot of times. I think when people are trying maybe to get more of their inner self on the page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it's like, a, it's a, it's a leap for many people to even own that they are writers. Yeah. Um, where, whereas, you know, once once you actually <laughs> have a steady practice of writing, once you've published, it, it all of it becomes much fuzzier. Like, what does make a writer, <laughs> and and what does give one credibility? And so, like, I've come back to a writer is someone who writes. <laughs> it's really kind of simple. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned, the the re-release of the book is titled Swinging on the Garden Gate, a memoir of bisexuality and spirit. So maybe you could tell folks, first of all, how that originally came about, the first version of it, and then maybe how it came about in its new form. The book itself or the title? Yeah, there's two different stories there. So, um, so when I was in my um, early 20s, I, um, I woke up to my sexual identity. I guess I was a little late in coming to that compared to the young people today. But, um, but I, you know, I was beginning to um, pay attention to, um, you know, my <laughs> attraction to others and what, what my body was asking for and realizing that I was not straight and um and really struggled with that because I was a born and bred United Methodist and in a, raised in a liberal family and a liberal congregation but still you know sexuality in general was not something we talked about and definitely not homosexuality and um I barely even knew the word bisexuality at that point so so just given my personality, <laughs> I write to find out what I think. I write to find out what I feel, <laughs> right? You know, like that's that's also what makes a writer is like, do you need that medium in order to listen to yourself in order to make sense of life? So, um, so I started to write my story, and that was in the um, in the. 90s when memoir was really kind of coming into its own as a genre hmm. um so the writing program that i was in was teaching a lot of memoir writing and um you know i didn't want to write memoir i wanted to write fiction <laughs> <laughs> but but it was one of these situations where i just needed to figure it out and so so you know there's something about coming out to yourself that sheds new light on all of your previous experiences. It's like anytime you realize something true about yourself that you had denied before, it 
puts a different colored lens on your eyes and and you just kind of have to go back and revisit everything that's come before with that new information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, so that's really what I was doing in in my twenties was rewriting my story Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now that I know this about myself, what sense do I make of my childhood? What sense do I make of God? Like, how do I relate to God when, um, at least in some parts of Christianity, these experiences that feel very um, natural and very um, organic and and, um, that feel very me, um, you know, are, are denied or denigrated. So, um, so it, the writing of the memoir was really a tool for self-understanding, mm-hmm. at least in the first draft, and and then it and, and then it became a tool for coming out. So it was like mm-hmm. I sat down with my parents and said, "You know what? I'm bisexual, and here, read my book." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah. Wow! It's just easier. That must have been an interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> my poor parents. <laughs> um, so. Um, so that was the early stage of, of the m- memoir. And then I had a, a mentor who, um, oh, he's, he's a wonderful person. He's a Jewish writer and um, quirky interest in spirituality. And he said, you know, Elizabeth, you're, you're writing a spiritual memoir and you're writing in the tradition of all these writers, St. Augustine, Teresa of Avila, you're writing the tradition of Malcolm X, um, um, you know, all, all these, all these great memoirs. And, um, and I was like, what is spiritual memoir? You know? So, so it was really uh, a huge gift to plunge into that legacy, you know, into that tradition and find that in fact, a lot of the questions that I was asking, like, what does it mean to be embodied spirit are just fundamental questions that people of all traditions ask and, you know, that human beings ask, right. And that memoir is a great way to wrestle with them. So, um, so at that point I started to think of it, not just as uh, um, private exploration, Uh but something, you know, an actual book that, could be shaped and um, shared. Um, and how and, did you get connected with Skinner House then to get it published? You know, that was just sheer luck. I initially, when I um, was shopping around for publishers, I was looking, you know, within my own tradition, United Methodist, I was looking for um, a Christian publisher that could, because, because I, in the end I felt like my target audience was, people who were questioning their Christians who were questioning their sexual identity and their Mm -hmm. family. Um, And, um, and at that point, most of the religious publishing houses were not, they weren't interested. Well, I mean, it was the memoir piece that was hard for them primarily. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the sexuality was, was, you know, also a dimension, but nobody had published memoir Mm. in those um, religious publishing houses at that point because memoir wow. was so new. I know, isn't that interesting? That's yeah, just I mean, now it's years been ago. saturated with it since then. But I know, I know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think I 
was the first memoir. I should look at this. I'm not entirely sure about this, but I think mine was the first, if not one of the first memoirs that Skinner House published. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so luckily in that first batch of, of inquiries, Skinner House mm-hmm. took the bite and they said, they said, you know, you need to rewrite it. It's in you know, three time frames. It needs to be in two. But um but it's been a really good home for me at Skinner House. Um, and, and in some ways, it's really worked well because I've had, you know, kind of the support of the Unitarians. Skinner House is the imprint of the Unitarians. Um, so I've had that kind of radical, <laughs> inclusive support from them, um, which back then I really needed. Sure. Um, and um so anyhow, that's the long-winded original story. And then it went out of print after about six years. Um, and I got all the remaindered copies and had them in my garage. And <laughs> I kid you not, every year after that, I I sold them on Amazon. And I just, you know, between 20 and 50 copies would go out my door. Um, and having written five other books in the meantime, yeah. <laughs> um, when when it was coming up on the 20th anniversary of this book, I thought, you know, of all my books, Swinging on the Garden Gate did the most good in the world, that mm. in this mm. tangible, life-changing good, because, mm. and it was, you know, it was very small, it wasn't, it didn't reach a huge audience, but the, there were a handful of readers who, um, who I know, it made a, a tremendous difference too. I had I had one college student come up to me at a panel conversation once, and she she brought her copy of Swinging on the Garden Gate, and it was it looked like it had been run over by a truck. It was, <laughs> it was dog-eared and, <laughs> and bent, and and notes all over it. And she said, "You know, you saved my life." <laughs> wow, that's cool. And um, and I just. Because when when you're able to to um, um, make space <laughs> in the world for someone else to breathe wow. by sharing your story, like there's nothing else like it for a writer. And wow. so so even even though numbers were really small, I felt like you know, this book has a place. Like it's, an impact. it's done important work, and I don't like that it's not available. So I decided I was just going to reprint it myself, um, self-publish it. Um, but before I did, I wrote to my editor and I said, any chance Skinner House would be interested? And they're like, yes. We think Very that cool. it was actually premature that the world wasn't ready for this book when it first came out. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they might be more ready now. So, you know, hopefully, although, you know, the climate is so um, for for – queer folk it's it's not always it's not much better today than it was in some some ways but um but i just am so grateful that they're supporting that vision and um and getting another queer story out into the world yeah yeah now the title has been tweaked um so let's talk about that but has anything else in the book been changed or is it really just the original it's no, it went through an equity review. So, okay. uh, you know, 22 years, <laughs> really, you know, all kinds of <laughs> insight into like what you didn't know. 
Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, some of the language is different. Um, minor points. There's just some details that we cut that were unnecessary, and you know, could have raised hackles unnecessarily. The big change is that the um, the kids' book, The Secret Garden, was really an important. Uh, it played an important role in my coming out story. Mm. And in the initial edition, we had quotes from The Secret Garden that headed each of the chapters. And The Secret Garden actually is a controversial book. It's, um, you know, believe it or not, the, the main story is, I think, really solid. But, um, but the, there's some, um, the main character uh, grew up in colonial um, India, and she treats her, the servants of her house horribly, <laughs> you know, so, so there's, there's some, some racial issues, there's some ableist issues um, in that book, and they just wanted to um, not have those excerpts <clears throat> triggering. Sure, um, sure. Triggering people. I feel, I feel sad about that loss, because um, because the story of coming alive that that book tells, I think, is still really valuable. And um, I'm hopeful that give it another 20 years, maybe um, the cultural climate will have calmed down enough that we can recognize the um, historical stories have historical flaws yeah, no. and, and, and still have gifts to offer us. But for now it's, it's fine. So that, that's the big change. It's also, this new edition has a, a new forward for me and a new mm -hmm. forward from Karen Olivetto, the United Methodist. Bishop. Yes. Yeah. So you and Karen did a great book launch event uh, online, which was exciting to see and um, tell folks just, real briefly about Karen, who she is. Yeah, so she's an out lesbian bishop of the United Methodist Church, and she um, she served at one of the largest United Methodist churches in San Francisco, the, I think it's the, the largest, um, and is now in the, oh, I can't remember what the district is called. It's like the mountain. Mountain something or other. It's in Denver, but it's mountain yeah, states or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so she's just been a real, you know, lifelong advocate for GLBTQA folks inside the Methodist Church and a real witness to um, the, the huge gifts of leadership that <laughs> queer people have to offer the church um, and that you know, generally the United Methodist Church does not embrace. I'm not quite sure how she's gotten away with it. <laughs> but I mean, that's a testimony to her yeah. ability to um, to be a loving, gracious leader. And so but, just to complete the picture, Karen, you know, has written her own books, and she's also spoken at Right of Your Life conferences. So, oh, very nice, yeah. You know, um, we're, we're, we're friends, mutual friends there, too, so. Yeah, that's more, she's great. But then the title was tweaked for your book too, right? The yeah. new title is a little bit different than that. Yeah, the old subtitle was uh, Spiritual Memoir, and the new subtitle is A Memoir of Bisexuality and Spirit. Okay. And um, and that's a deliberate choice, both on my part and on Skinner House's, that um, 
that, you know, I don't think that we would, we could have been quite that brave to put the word bisexuality on the cover 22 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But I really want to reach um, people who are exploring bisexuality or, you know, or the people who love them. And, um, and so to just be overt about it, I think is important. Um, so, so yeah, that was behind the choice is try, cool. try, to, try to really target the audience. And so the book is available now, right? For order. Yes. And um, are you, do you have any like book tours or other podcasts or other, other kinds of things planned to help support the launch? Yeah. Well, um, there's just been an ongoing kind of rolling um, effort. I don't have anything on the calendar right now, but, um, but yeah, I've, I've done a number of um, ooh, radio interviews and, podcast kinds of things so so yeah that will continue I, sure. I have a newsletter and so if you're interested in like finding those you could always go to that newsletter so cool so what about looking forward i'm sure you're not done writing so uh can you tell us anything about uh next projects or is it too early um no no i've actually got two big projects cooking one is uh kids novel actually i'm i'm dabbling in middle grade fiction wow i know it's, it's a departure uh, isn't it from uh... it's totally a departure but you know it, in some ways it's not because that it was seventh and eighth grade and when mm. i just read my way through adolescence you know um that i decided i really want to write and i want to write kids lit i want to <laughs> write you know i want to write the next newberry award winner is and um <laughs> you. and it's taken me you know, I was 12 when I was thinking that. So it's taking me, taking me 40 years to finally get around to writing a novel. So I'm kind of new at it and learning, um, but I'm having a lot of fun with that. And then the other project that's actually um, heading toward publication in fall of 23 is a book about um, what I'm calling the, well, it probably won't be called the release because we're going to change the title, but it's about that stage that writers face at the end of a project where um, you have to make all these difficult decisions, publish or not publish, self-publish or traditional publish. Um, what's the point? Is it worth the effort? How much time do I give marketing? How You know, um, all of those difficult decisions. And um, it's about reclaiming creativity during that mm. stage. Mm. And navigating all of those decisions with grace and integrity. So, so basically, what what's a, a creative spiritual practice that that we can bring to bear during that time? Um, because lots of writers lose their way then. Mm -hmm. You know, they get um, they get driven by their ego <laughs> to you know get the the right publisher or the, the right numbers of um, sales and. Um, and lots of times we forget why we were writing in the first place. And, um, and, um, I think for a lot of writers, um, it's the writing that's the life-giving part of the process and marketing or writing letters, like that's deadening for us. <laughs> so, so how do we, how do we kind of shift our thinking about those tasks in a way that makes them life-giving and and um and makes them playful or or um allow us to continue to grow through 
through those um, tasks. So yeah, that's that's what's cooking with Skinner House right now. Well, that's a really important topic. And it's right in the sweet spot for a writing for your life. So, you know, when you have that ready to roll, you know, let's make sure we talk about that one too, because, um, you know, I deal with a lot of authors that feel, you know, those same tensions that you're describing. Yeah. Well, I would love to be in conversation about that. Yeah. Good, good. Well, for now, the new release that Elizabeth Scott is Swinging on the Garden Gate, a memoir of bisexuality and spirit. And you can learn more about all of Elizabeth's work at elizabethjarrettandrew.com. So, Elizabeth, congratulations on this and all the wonderful things that you do. I'm, you know, so thrilled to see you continuing, you know, down the um, incredible path that you've been on. And so glad to hear that it's continuing in very fruitful ways. Yeah, well, thanks, Brian. And and likewise, with your own work, with writing for the for your life, it's really been a treat to travel with you through that work. Well, it's been a blessing for us all, I think. But yeah. thank you. <laughs>